Hey guys, welcome to the RCR podcast. I'm Nick or the Roman. Uh, I'm Brian or Mr. Regular. And uh, well, it's been a long week. Uh, Mr. Regular, uh, Brian was out of town uh, filming. Uh, I was out of town filming a car yesterday by myself. Um, we had help from a man named Shane and his friend uh, Antoine, uh, who uh, took the role as uh, took uh, Nick's role as our filmer. I asked Shane at the last at the last second, "Hey, you have any friends who want to come along and do this?" And he said, "Yeah, I think I could dig up somebody at the last minute." Yeah. So that helped the shoot go by. I can't talk about that car. That's probably gonna unless we get something more amazing. That's probably gonna be the season finale. Oh, uh, or maybe Christmas I'll kick special? it out. Yeah, or could be a Christmas special. Because it is kind of weird enough to, uh, well, not weird. But... It's, see, it's relevant. This is a that we're talking about a JDM car that just got just got legal this year. Mm. So maybe I want to get because I don't think Doug Demuro did one, mm. and we may be able to jump the gun on him. Ooh, Matt Farah did do this car, only he reviewed one that was in the United States illegally. So, probably we'll put this in in the QASAP. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I may write that review entirely. Well, no. Since we talk about it, I may only need like a page from you. Yeah. And then I'll write it that way. Um, I don't know if this is something we should discuss on. Mm, Yeah. That's that's referring to a car that's coming out. Yeah. There's a particular car I may, I may want you to do most of the review and voice it. All um, right. Uh, because you're familiar with it. Yeah. Um. And can talk about things that I didn't notice. Hmm. Um. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, the, the, since this is Wednesday for you guys, but it's Sunday for us, the 427 Camaro. Yes. Uh, you weren't there for this one, um, but that was louder than my Honda GL500 Silverwing I had that a Mac, that had a Mac 2 into 1 exhaust with no with the baffles pulled out of it. Mm. That car with glass packs on it was so damn loud. It was, I don't want to peek out the mic by doing sound effects, but uh, the owner had to drive it up to Berks County uh, from, I think, down in Montgomery County with earplugs in. He said it was that, uh, that loud um, because there was no overdrive gear. And that seven liter engine that's just... Glass glass pack exhausts don't do anything. They yeah. do the bare minimum in, in a very office space way at reducing noise. Um, it's kind of like a 2CV, just that yeah. level of noise. Yeah. Um, felt like you were going fast. But as my butt dyno gets better, I'm thinking, ah, this thing really isn't accelerating. Mm. I suppose the... I've been coming back to the Chevy Bolt again and again, as much as I trashed on that car for being a very expensive Chevy Sonic. But for being all electric, it's not that bad. It's 
the worst thing is still the seats. It's for forty thousand dollars. You have twelve thousand dollars. You have twelve. You have a forty thousand dollar car with seats from a twelve thousand dollar car. Hmm. That's the biggest thing. And I don't know if there's. I don't think there were side. There. I don't think there were side airbags in that. I could be wrong. And I don't think there were. Hmm. I, I mean, I mean, airbags in the seat. Yeah. And if there weren't, you could solve that with some Sparkos really fast. I mean, the big thing about the Volt or Bolt was that it was super quiet. It was you know? super quiet. Uh, was super quiet. Was really responsive. It could could have done with also smaller wheels and taller tires mm. to to just eliminate the slamness of it. There was one parked out by the Italian restaurant uh, in my town just last night, um, and I had to do a double take because I'm like, first I thought it was a a, a Sonic. Like you're not paying any mind like the curse that it is me i have to look at every car and make sure i know what it is and if i and if and if there was an error in in the processing in my brain i have to figure that out because i saw that the grill was blanked out like it was a fake grill like wait why are there no holes in that grill up oh, that's a bolt problem <laughs> solved moving on anyway i really have no fear when film went out filming with a classic car because i think we talked about this before it, it's almost a pass to do anything you want in a way yeah i mean as long as you don't go too hard on it although you know you can see people in rat rods get away with that kind of thing too mm -hmm. just because it's seen as a sort of charming novelty right and also, you know, how bad could this person be if they yeah. are driving a classic car? You know, he's not going to have his pants hanging low. He's not going to have like a mohawk. No. He's not going to have, you know, chains hanging from his pockets. He's from the right side of the tracks and he always puts $5 in the collection plate. Which is funny because if you were to drive it in its own era, you'd be seen as, you know, one of those punks with a switchblade and yeah. uh, a comb over. But. Well, not a comb over, but you know, yeah, to, uh, look at me with my skullet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, grease in your hair. Oh, he's from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Uh. So today's really rainy. First rainy day we've had in a while in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, the AT wells or springs will definitely be flowing. That's a huge thing with the Appalachian through hikers is finding uh, reliable water sources. Um, and it's something they all often ask me when, I, when I'm doing runs. Like, hey, did you hear if the spring is flowing or not? Um, it's going to be something in my future of doing sections of the AT. I don't know, maybe next spring, something like that. That could be during one of our uh, week-long breaks in between seasons. Yeah. I may just fuck off and go hike the trail for a while. Well, that's an official thing for us now of like, we're officially doing it where we take a week off yeah. in between seasons because it's better for, you know, sanity purposes. Yeah. It's better for creativity. I want to get yeah, and out. creativity too. Yeah. Because sometimes for me, I don't know if this happens, but, uh, the sort of script sort of run together after a while of yeah. the things where I don't recall. All right. Did I use that joke already? Let me go back yeah. and check the old scripts and do control F to find yeah. things. Um, but yeah, the Appalachian trail hikers. So, um, I mean, probably a stupid question, but they have no 
uh, sort of access to sort of technology sources of, you know, they don't have smartphones to be able to check to see water. Oh, all right. Uh, There are apps. Um, Big Hike is a free one. Uh, The retail company REI also makes an app. They're just augmentations on your the, on the regular maps function mm. with an overlay overlay of the trail with little markers where the where the uh, springs are where road crossings are and they're often download maps so in case you don't have service your GPS is still going to work yeah. and you can tell out where you are and what direction you're pointing. Um, the big one is called Gut Hook, I believe that may be a hundred dollar app. Oh wow! It's yeah, but it's the one. That shows you everything. And it even has like message boards and stuff where you can comment on it and keep track of everybody else. Um, Friends you meet on the trail with your made up names that you have. (laughs) The the one I use is either Big Hike. I started using REI because it does have uh, better topography on it. But the one thing that the REI doesn't have is it doesn't show the water sources, which isn't a big problem for me. Because when I hike, I take tons of water with me. But for the people who are hiking long term, you're not going to carry two liters of water with you. That's the crazy thing I see about these hikers. Their water supply that they have is only maybe a liter and a half Hmm. of water on them to last an entire day of hiking 20 miles. Yeah. You know, chug, chug, chug the amount of... I know like when we're in airports and stuff and and when we're out shooting, we're just gong, gong in the summertime. We're just jamming through it. These guys just sip their way through. It's it's crazy. It's maybe it's all mental, but um, what they do have the the water purification brand that people like on the trail is uh, Sawyer, and Sawyer will sell you their own little bag and filtration system, but the Sawyer the Sawyer water filter is about a cylindrical can a little device about the size of 2d batteries stacked on top of each other and it will screw onto the top of a smart water bottle the threads perfectly match that bottle huh so what people do is that they carry two smart water bottles one with a cap on it and one with the sawyer filter on it and the 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 bottle is going to be um water wherever they get it and it filters through the filter and then there's a just a nipple on the other end like any sports drink Gatorade bottle and you just suck through it hmm. and there's your clean water on the other end. Um, some other people prefer uh, having a, uh, a clean bottle and a dirty bottle. Um, the dirty bottle will have the water from the spring or the creek or whatever in it and then they will take that, put the Sawyer on top of it and then squeeze the water through that into another bottle, which will always be clean water. And then they'll just drink out of that. Yeah. Of course, also on the trail, angels, I, I hesitate to call myself one, um, but I do leave water where I can. And we'll leave like jugs of water, like my gallons of milk when I'm done. I just fill them up at the sink and leave them and then come back and when they're empty and take them home. I'll put them at trailheads and stuff. And that'll be guaranteed clean water that they don't have to worry about. Yeah, that's a cool thing to do. No, I go out because I want people to talk to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and as I as I laugh to try to play it off, but it is true. I mean, being cooped up here, I want someone else that's not doing anything today. 
Yeah. So I'll hang out on the trail and bring snacks and stuff in exchange for a little bit of conversation, as sad as that sounds. Well, no, it's not sad at all, especially when you are finding people who are more likely than not going to have stuff to actually talk about, Yeah. you know, which isn't always the case with, say, someone you call up who's been working the nine to five who I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, how you doing? Well, how was your week? Yeah, you know, the grind. That yeah. type of thing. It's like, no, well, you know, I was hiking the trail and we came into this encumbrance of some kind. And, yeah. you know, it's that type of thing where, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily know what happens on the trail, but I imagine anything theoretically could. It is. Uh, I've only hiked little sections of it. <clears throat> I haven't hiked overnight yet. Only day hikes. And I haven't pooped in the woods yet. It's a rite of passage, so I'm going to have to do that. And I have a tent, but it's just like this bullshit Walmart thing that's hard to set up. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's setting up a tent in the woods takes forever. Like, oh, the stick isn't going through the thing, and I don't know which part connects to which. And I know, this is like a weird thing. I know if I'd be out there with these hikers that had these tents that go up in like um, less than a minute. They're like, they're, of course, they're like $200 tents and i think some of them use their trekking poles as the tent stakes further eliminating weight um and some of them use hammocks instead with the little uh rain flap on it which sounds kind of nicer i think you just have to find two trees of course if you sleep in a hammock you're not hauling your 40 pound uh uh nap uh gonna say knapsack backpack or pack into the hammock with you yeah that would have to stay on the ground and then you have to worry about thieves which is a real thing Mm. people stealing shit um and i told people that look i mean you're in port clinton it is a nice place it is a hiker friendly town but it is still part of the rust belt and um, it's a town that's at the crossroads of PA Route 61 and Interstate 78. Yeah. And you get a lot of drifters, which is another thing about the AT, drifters. There are people who are kind of homeless or maybe don't have a home to go back to. Runaway kids. Mm. Like who have a little bit better financial resources. And by that, I mean, maybe a thousand dollars. And when I say runaway kids, I mean, you know, mom kicked me out of the house. I'm 19. Yeah. Or stuff like that. Who don't have a stable home environment and living in the woods is honestly a step up to wherever they're from. Yeah. My stepdad's a fucking dick. Yeah. Like that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So some of these people will have morals that are less righteous than your own. And it goes around. Who are, who's thieves? Who has sticky fingers? Yeah. Who will root into your backpack when you're asleep? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, there are some people who have been on the trail for a few years now who have never gone home. And, and then there, which always begs the question, how are you living? Because it's more expensive to live out in the woods than it is to just have a job and have a small apartment. Yeah, I would imagine, ju- and the amount of effort involved of uh, where's your next meal coming exactly. from? Exactly. Where's the next uh, clean drink of water? Right. Because when you hike, you're you're burning five thousand calories a day. 
and you so got to replace you, that somehow. Yeah, yeah. I guess begging is a thing. You know, oh, there's a gnat in here. Hmm. Mm. Uh, since the big Cabela's and the Walmart and the Lowe's are out there in Hamburg, just passport Clinton, I've been seeing beggars out there every single day. Hmm. Um, just standing there. And if I really wanted to waste a day, I could hang out. They're always at the same intersection by the Wawa. For those people listening, Wawa is a higher-end gas station, but you know that. Yeah. Um, they hang out by the intersection by the Wawa with their cardboard signs. And if I really wanted to, I could, since the Wawa is elevated above, it's up on a hill. Yeah. Above the intersection, above the traffic light, I could stand at the exit of that, uh, end of that parking lot and just wait them out and then just see where they go. Because there's no houses around that shopping center, so where are they? Where are they going? You pull a Christopher Nolan, uh, the movie following that was his first, I think, theatrically released film. Well, I don't know if it was released theatrically, but it's a film where a guy just randomly follows people, and one day, you know, because it's sort of like a people watching type thing of like you know interesting things, you know, wondering what they're up to, and anyway, one day he follows like the wrong person. So, you know, it's that kind of movie. It's it's like an hour and a half-ish around there. It's not a very long movie at all. And, uh, yeah, it really, it's great. It's moody. It's kind of, um, like, noir-ish. Okay. But, uh, no, it's that type of thing. You're just kind of hoping that the people that you're choosing to follow aren't some crazy person who's going into some sort of crazy shack in the middle of scenic nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um. But then again, if they've run away from home because, you know, stepdad is a dick or whatever, mm-hmm. then they're probably not going back to a shed of some kind. Yeah. They're probably sleeping on a rollout or on a bedroll yeah. and keeping their sack of things tucked underneath them or, yeah. you know, using it as a pillow. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking I'm probably thinking in cliches here, but, you know, if you're on the AT, you know, it kind of. You kind of have to have that sort of mentality, don't you? I mean, if you're going to continually hike, be on a mm-hmm. continuous hike, and especially <clears throat> if you're going to go on the entire journey of like the whole six month thing from yeah. the one end to the other. Yeah, Maine to Georgia. It's um, uh, Springer Mountain, Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine. Mm. And uh, because most people aren't going to be like that Meltzer guy who did it in like a little over a month where they he had like he was sponsored by Red Bull, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah, they had he didn't have to worry about people leaving him a clean drink of water. He'd get to the next pit stop where, you know, the Red Bull bus or whatever it was. Um, I I don't know that it was Red Bull, but it was whatever they had. uh, I wonder how he did the hundred mile. This microphone is drooping on me. It keeps coming down. Hmm. Sorry for any noise as I fix this microphone stand. I wonder how he did the 100 mile, which is the 100 mile is a section in Maine where there is no towns or anything for about 100 miles, where it's just woods for 100 miles. And of course, other hikers told me there's like two or three fire trails that cut it in half. So if the guy's jogging, three, six, nine, if he did like 32 miles, Jogging it, he could get to where a van could be and get through the 100 mile and resupply that way or hydrate and stuff that way. Just fill his backpack with power sauce bars. (laughs) But um, I don't know. It's kind of a strange 
thing to sort of undertake. Well, not strange, but no, it is strange. It definitely is strange. It's just I don't know the thought process of waking up one day and saying, "All right, I'm gonna go do the whole six month thing. I'll see you whenever I get back. Hopefully, I don't die." Yeah, that type of thing. It's like, well, what are you? I I imagine trying to explain this to loved ones, you know, of just saying, well, no, I need to do this. But now this is like coming from me who's tried a shitload of times to be on Survivor. And like, how do you explain that to anybody of this like impulsive bucket list need to just (laughs) know? Like, even if I'm the first person voted out, like at least then I'll know. Yeah. Um, But it's I feel like being gone for 39 days or however long is more easy to explain than being gone for six months. Yeah. Which that's just like the average. Yeah. There's like two types of people. People who get their affairs in order before they leave, find a way to get their rent paid. Yeah. And those who don't. Who just say, I'm going, fuck all y'all. Yeah. And. That Alexander super tramp mentality. What's that from? Uh, Into the Wild. Oh, I never saw it. It was a good book, but they turned it into a movie, and an equally good movie. It's directed by Sean Penn, and it had Emile Hirsch in it. And it's basically just this guy who decides, like, fuck everything, I'm hiking now. Mm -hmm. And he goes on this, you know, cross-country trek. And it's really interesting stuff. It's kind of a strange... um, I I don't know. It's kind of a a travelogue-type movie. The thing they don't tell you is how much your ankles hurt at the end of a big day. Mm. Or, Or, like... I don't hike. I hike for, say, I don't know, like 10 miles. My ankles hurt. My knees hurt. Hmm. My hips hurt. That's mainly because this is Pennsylvania and there's lots of rocks. Maybe it's easier elsewhere. But you've had days where, I don't know, maybe you had to walk from one end of Reading to the other or something like that. And, ugh, I don't want to do I can't think. Yeah. Like, and imagine that that's your job. Every day you get up and do that again. Yeah, it's and the, again and again and again. It's the whole new... Uh, well, I mean, this isn't really com- comparable because it's all mostly level terrain, but New York Comic Con, all four days, by the end of it, you know, you've been walking for nine, ten hours straight, mm-hmm. and you kind of hate life by the end of it. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's an age thing necessarily. It's just a matter of, all right, well, I have my backpack on... Um, because sometimes I want to use the baggage check, sometimes I don't. Yeah. Because I have like my camera stuff and all that mess. Uh, and uh, it's it just gets kind of tiresome. Now, even imagining having to take on Pennsylvania terrain is insane. If you know, just level terrain of New York City is giving me that kind of a hard time. Yeah. Uh, but. Mm. Uh, the but I am gonna do something. Go somewhere. Probably the easiest thing. Maybe I'll call you up and uh, say, okay, can you just drive me to Palmerton? <laughs> and then I'll just walk home. Because where we live here, we're pretty darn close to it. Yeah. And if I get back to Port Clinton, it's like, well, I'm back here. I can just call my mom. <laughs> yeah. And say, hey, I'm at the Port Clinton peanut shop. <laughs> Come get me. <laughs> I keep telling myself I'm going to go in that peanut shop one day because I have it. I, I have, I've been in there like once when I was little. It's supposedly like it's it's very Rockwellian. Yeah. Uh, it looks from the outside to be a combination old timey general store from the Waltons, but also kind of like a soda jerk type yeah. place. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that looks, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Port Clinton, it's one of those places where I can't really you know, take my eyes off. Right. The road. Because uh, for 
people, well, most people aren't this very specific part of Pennsylvania. Port Clinton is a town and the main drag is a highway. Mm-hmm. So um, to stop on Main Street means I got to go really quick. Yeah. It's like trucks going by. Um, it does have, I think, like Penn Street or something, which is uh, Port Clinton is two streets. It's Route 61 and then their quote unquote Main Street and then a few cross streets that lead from that quote unquote Main Street to Route 61. And it's just this little highway town that is more at home in some John Ford movie yeah. of the highway town. Or yeah, they, they, they got this, uh, they got the Port Clinton Hotel, which is really a bar, um, which uh, I just keep thinking of Roadhouse as it goes through <laughs> because that's what it is. And there are also rooms to rent there. It is a legit hotel. I don't know what yeah. it's like to stay there. Um, roadhouse. Yeah, and you can legitimately take a brisk walk from one end of the town to the other inside of three minutes, yeah, maybe. That's it. And uh, it's just a very small. It's a strip. Yeah, mostly. Strip. You know, except for whatever reason, there's like a Triumph dealership, <laughs> a super expensive BMW Triumph motorcycle shop. It's like yeah. no one in this town can afford anything that's here. That and Hermes BMW, like yeah. right next to it. And yeah. it's just strange of like who on earth, when you're setting up shop of, all right, let's do Port Clinton. Let's do that. Low land prices. I'll, I'll bet that place has been there since the 70s. Eh, it probably it was just me. like this little guy's little garage, Hermes BMW. That's Hermie. He works on BMWs. Yeah. And then Kermit the Florg. And... <laughs> And slowly it grew and grew and grew. I don't go to that place because uh, one time I went to uh, get uh, my bike inspected and they said, sure, come in. And then when I went there, they said, I don't know who you talk to, but we don't have any stickers left. I'm like, you don't have any inspection stickers left? No. Oh. And I rode home in the rain. (laughs) How do you run out of inspection stickers? Uh, Hmm. I did buy some gloves there once anyway support local yeah i guess there's other motorcycle shops i can go to yeah i'll get an awry helmet one of these days eight hundred dollars on a helmet it's supposed to be real nice though real light on your shoulders and neck because you're eliminating weight from that you're carrying around anyway but my my I don't even know. Do I have an HJC? I peeled the stickers off and put DOT reflective stickers on it uh, to make it more visible. Yeah. I'll get panniers or something on the DR650. Well, uh, oh, what was that? Nothing. That's oh, it. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, it just gave me a look and I'm not. Mm. <laughs> uh, but because uh, I was looking at uh, this list earlier, um, not to change gears, but I guess oh, change. Gear. Yeah. Uh, uh, they announced the roster of cars for the new Need for Speed game, uh-huh. and apparently people are complaining uh, in some of the comments about Ferrari, none of the Ferraris being in it, because apparently they won't let people customize the cars in-game. Like Ferrari won't. Yeah, Ferrari will only let... And and this is... I, I don't necessarily know this for certain, but it's the assumption that a lot of people are making that 
for whatever reason, Ferrari just doesn't want people screwing with their cars in game. And so you get this weird, uh, you get this weird kind of collection of random. Can you still crash them? Oh yeah, I imagine. Is there visible damage? Uh, I mean, if they're like other games, I would imagine so. And what are uh, they complaining about? That was the whole thing with Gran Turismo back in the nineties. The first one, they're like the manufacturers. We don't want our we don't want our product being shown in negative light. So there was no damage at all. You just bounce the cars off of each other, and that's how you win races against the computer. Yeah, I don't know. You end up in a weird San Francisco rush situation. Yeah, uh, I mean, because I mean, there are some just you know Ford Roadster from Beck Customs, a Koenigsegg Regera, uh, yeah. you know Huracan Coupe. Uh, McLaren P1 like you get all these supercars and then you get like a Plymouth Barracuda Uh and uh, you know uh, Subaru BRZ and a a Beetle a Volvo Uh, 242 DL that's alright still no regular cars no one will make something where you can where you can race a Dodge Aries yeah well, there's a Land Rover Defender 110. I don't know how. Eh, I right. don't know. See, see, these are all aspirational cars. Yeah, I the, want a punk of junk. I want a. I don't want a neon ACR. I don't want a neon SRT4. I want a Plymouth neon Highline <laughs> with a Trapper Keeper graphics on the side and a crappy engine. That's what I want to race. Yeah. I mean, what was the last... uh Belvedere or something like that, if that's... Am I confusing that with something else? Or a Dodge Caravan. You just give me a Dodge Caravan and run that around. That's that's fun to me. I'd buy that game. Yeah, I would love, you know, if the brand gets to a point where that Your could support car. a video game. <laughs> Your mom's car. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Of Family drives. A the Kickstarter. Fastest, the, fastest, the fastest thing in it would be a Mustang GT. Yeah. There's nothing in there. Like, no. These are junkers. And then just all the courses are family road trip destinations or places in your immediate... Like, Port Clinton would be a friggin' course yeah. of just, you know, you're going around in a square Keystone around... driver. <laughs> just, just model it after a town. Like, what was it that one video game prototype that was Manhattan or something? They just did every single street? Hmm can't remember yeah i can't recall either Mm. it's funny i i love sort of reading and watching videos about uh racing games but i can't actually remember the last one i actually played which uh, i think it goes all the way back to like grid on ps3 which is that game where you get all these really nice cars but there's like a rewind function so if you crash you get a certain number of rewinds to push it back and man i wore that game out I played last video last racing game I had was the test drive that's in Hawaii. That's kind of yeah, kind of correct. Yeah. But again, you're playing it on a computer, and just racing games on a controller don't really work because it's not really driving. You just need to go all out with the seat, the steering wheel, the pedals, and then get three monitors. You gotta have the Matt Ferris setup. Yeah. Of yeah, the. Yeah, I'd have to buy two more of those LG, <laughs> 4K monitors and somehow wire get them to all work together. Then you got something. Um, 
that parallels still the greatest arcade racing game of all time, Hard Driving, from like the early 90s. <laughs> Polygon graphics, but the cars handled like real cars. And did, it was very, very difficult to play that game correctly. Did they have that at uh, too many games? Nope. Hmm. It's a complicated arcade cabinet to work on. Again, it's old tech. It uh, a lot of probably servos in there. It had a force feedback wheel in the early 90s. It had three pedals for the manual transmission. Mm. You had to clutch. You had to it had a force feedback clutch. There were, there was just a four-speed stick shift, but still, you could spin the tires. You could you you could you could shift incorrectly. Yeah. You could stall the car. <laughs> In a manual transmission, if you did it, if you if you let the clutch out too fast with too little throttle, the car would stall, and then you'd have to reach down. And there was a very thick—you couldn't remove it from the arcade cabinet—but a very thick key. Hmm. You'd have to start the car. That's <laughs> awesome! Brilliant. That is, yeah. And and but there's no people who can maintain these things anymore. So, they they just remain broken. Hmm. I the last time I played it, there was an, uh, a warehouse party in uh, Perth Amboy, New Jersey, and there was one there. The guy kept running. And there was always someone on it. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I, it's especially because the alternative, you get these Fast and Furious driving games where a child can yeah. choose manual mode and think like, oh, look at me. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing too shifting in those games. Maybe you'll get a little feedback, but you're not yeah. really... You know, it doesn't give the sensation of what driving a manual really is. Yeah. It... And you can't really crash the car. Well, yeah, and that too. <laughs> you can't go off the track. And, and drive you can't everywhere. stall it. Nope. In hard driving, you can drive anywhere you want. The only way you lose the game is if you run out of time. It's one of those things. Ah. You've got to go through the checkpoints. So as long as you keep going, that you can just keep playing. And it was, you, you are able to keep hitting those checkpoints as long as you drive correctly. You have to drive fast. You have to know the, the adhesion of the tires. But if you go off the road, you're just driving in this. Yeah. Now, it's super simplistic, not even Virtua Fighter level polygons. Yeah. Um, this is like, it's virtual reality, you know. 1990 virtual reality. Yeah. These are squares. Yeah, there's super jagged yeah, polygons. Yeah, I'm going to get a drink one sec. Oh, go for it. But I think uh, with games like those, you kind of... They're not intended to sort of have longevity. I think you, they're only ever going to be around for as long as people feel like maintaining them. And it's, in a sense, kind of like, you know, certain classic cars or yeah. certain cars of any maker model. How many things are, you know, hard to find now because people don't bother keeping them on the road. Yeah, Farrah was talking about uh, pre-war cars, stuff from the 40s and 30s and 20s. Meh. I'm not interested in them. They yeah. do nothing for me. They're neat to look at. Yeah, I don't want. I, I'm. Yeah, I'll drive it. Okay. I mean, the model. The Model T was just this alien machine. Well, yeah, because of how it took forever to learn how to actually make that thing move. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank goodness, uh, Justin. Yeah, Justin. Yeah, Justin. Justin. Um, sorry, Justin. <laughs> 
See, Justin looks a lot like Aaron J. Rogers, my kind of attorney and the and the guy, the pilot who took me up in the uh, the Schleicher S21. And they kind of look the same, same build, almost same face. So, mm. sorry. So, Justin Lowe's and his Model T, thank goodness he's into that stuff and knows how to maintain it. But when you get stuff to like Model A's and uh, um, Packards and things like that, I don't. I get, it does nothing for me. Yeah. I don't know why. I wish I had a better reason. I'm sure if I think about it more. Maybe because there was absolutely none of them in my youth. Mm. Nobody had one. Um, they don't go very fast. Not that that's important, but... Um, You're used to a certain kind of driving experience. I would... I'm used to keeping up with traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to being able to stop. Um, and even like tea buckets and, and your hot rods, eh, all right, it makes a great noise. Oh yeah, it's loud and, and, and you have one and you start it up and people hold your ears and that, and people hold their ears and that's what you live for. Congratulations. You're going home and watching Jag. <laughs> that was a family guy joke. Yeah. You're going home and watching. Oh. Well, there's NC, there's NCIS, there's uh, um, Criminal Minds, uh, Blue Bloods. I'm it, it, literally anything on CBS is just old people TV. You leave it running on in the background. You get infinite numbers of episodes because they all run for a million seasons, and so they end up in syndication. Yeah, and so your grandma can watch them all day on the channel that's just local syndicated programming, and yeah. occasionally the late local news. Yeah, and you're good to go news time to watch the news my dad still calls it the nightly news mm. when i'm over at my parents house oh boy time for news and go my headphones yeah why do they get so excited about the news that's i don't know i don't get uh, well I, i'm not your... it's time to watch the news it's time yeah to watch the news we're gonna watch the news now well, a ask me once the news is over. Yeah. I wonder what it would have been like to grow up in the 50s and 60s when the news was this trustworthy, author authoritarian, even-handed, calm voice of reassurance every night. Yeah. Maybe they look at the news in the same way I look at the Weather Channel. In that... You, From if, the 90s. Like, if, if, if it's on the internet, like, you can't trust it, but they wouldn't just throw whatever on TV, yeah. you know? Nowadays, the weather is the biggest disaster, and there goes a house floating down a street. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the... This is a joke I use in RCR at some point. But you got to get the close-up of the distraught woman praying for help for Jesus. Yeah. They've lost everything. And it's... I don't know. You gotta they, get the shot of the one bro riding his jet ski down the street. Yeah. <laughs> or just... The guy uh, in the fan boat. You know you're fucked when the fan boats show up. <laughs> I What drives me nuts is on the late local news when it's... They do those bumper ads and, you know, oh, uh, there's rain on, on the way. You're, you know, it looks 
as though they really love shitting on whatever it is your day is. You know, like I see Glenn Hurricane Schwartz in his in his yeah. bow tie. I was like, well, we got snow on the way. And it's like, oh, fuck you. I was enjoying this weather. And it's well, this isn't him specifically, but it always seems as though again, the meteorologists on the news seem to take some sort of weird pleasure in telling you that whatever weather you were enjoying is on the way out. I know. And uh, I don't know. I'd love to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. It's just, it. which I mean, again, the Asperger. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. No, no, I no, make an ahead. Asperger's joke. <laughs> no, no, yeah, go, you can get, but it's those types of uh, situations where even then I can't really get that mad at them because, uh, you know, nobody else has a job where they're expected to predict the future, right. that type of thing. Right. Um, and everybody gets mad at the weatherman of, oh, you said there was going to be snow or there you wasn't going to be sad. snow. Yeah. This is your fault. <laughs> yeah. You somehow control the weather. <laughs> yeah. But I look back at the Weather Channel in the 90s when it was just weather. Yeah. And uh, it goes along with a lewis black bit where he says if you want reassurance go to an elementary school and look at the menu look at the school menu and whatever day it is that's what's going to be on the menu and that's the only thing i trust anymore i think that's how the bit went Mm. but in terms of local news i don't care anymore i almost wonder like my dad used to say if you hate the if you if a video game makes you so mad, why do you play it? And the answer is because then it wins. Yeah, I lose if I stop. You know, I've got to beat it. And then I almost want to say the same thing. You know, you can hear your parents tisking and clucking away in the living room watching the news. Oh, isn't that so bad? Oh, is this so horrible? I'm saying if the news bothers you that much, why don't you just turn it off? I because I think there's a certain measure of. Um unintended moral superiority that goes along with watching the whole it lead if it bleeds it leads culture mm-hmm. and realizing oh well we're not like that yeah, you know and yeah. saying well you know they're not going to find you know a terabyte of child pornography on my computer so <laughs> you can just like talk with whoever's sitting next to you and say well oh look at him he's he looks like a creep and then you sort of commiserate over how low society's fallen i i don't know it's yeah you can watch channel six action news philadelphia and just murder murder shooting murder eagles uh, the, yeah. yeah eagles <laughs> eagles murder andy reed you yeah. know <laughs> Murder again, traffic accident, domestic murder, shooting, shooting, shooting. And and then you can say things like, I don't know why anybody would want to live in a city. Or, well, thank goodness we live in a good neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that Jim Gardner is the only one I trust. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. It's kind of a strange... And I keep saying that I need to I've fallen into a pattern of like blah 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 it's strange yeah but I think that over reliance on the local news it can be a good thing and a bad thing in the sense that it can be good if you know you're trying to remain relatively informed on current events with a relative lack of any specific bias because late local news they mostly just play it straight they're not casting judgments or aspersions or Mm -hmm. providing any sort of op-ed and uh, the way that you might on one of those 24-hour cable news channels. But on the other end of it, 
it can create this inaccurate view of your world in mm-hmm. that of course they're not you're not going to get all the good news or the mm-hmm. uplifting stories you're just going to get the stuff that makes you feel like it's the end times yeah and that can be kind of exhausting especially when in my area you know you get the six o'clock news and then uh at six thirty, it are the network news so um Mm. you know you get action news or uh nbc 10 or whatever and then immediately after that it's the nbc nightly news with you know lester holt or whoever's the anchor now like the Mm. official one of that network that's nationwide as opposed to local and so you're getting like a solid hour-long block of like here's what's wrong in your area and here's what's wrong with the nation nation. Yeah. yeah and it's i don't know i just can't I mean, maybe it's ignorant of me to just sort of want to put it on the back burner and not really think about it. And they always end with the weather, right? Yeah. Or sports. Yeah. It's either weather or sports because they know if they do the weather early, people are just going to change because a lot of people are just watching for the weather, Um, which I think, you know, especially now that the weather channel isn't hard weather all the time. I know. They do these where they're branching out into these weird programs storm of the century you know in their top tens yeah meanwhile in the 90s it was just weather and i've been falling asleep to to just this stuff (laughs) and now your local forecast accurate and dependable from the weather channel (laughs) damn that's a cold-blooded beat the extended outlook. And now the week ahead. <laughs> Local precipitation is represented on the map. <laughs> love it. Why do I love this? Uh, it's I, I guess part of it is me watching the Weather Channel during... Uh, the winter months, hoping to see the beautiful purple or white blotches move from Indiana, Ohio, into Western PA. Yeah. Purple was like wintry mix, and white, of course, was snow. And that meant no school. (laughs) And just that music in the background was the promise that maybe you won't have to go to that place you don't like. Yeah. Ah, my savior. And it then and, and there was no person. It was just that disembodied voice. And occasionally they would have an anchor talk about, but it was just weather. It was just here's what's happening. There there was no front selling, there was no back selling. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did I close it? I closed it. I just want to say, and now local on the eights. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, so going to dip into the RCR mailbag. Yeah. Just, I only have two questions this week. Um, let's see. This one is from VG Starcall. Will V6 ever be loved? You mean the engine configuration? I guess. Didn't yeah, really specify. Grand National. Yeah. Grand National V6. Uh... Mitsubishi 3000 GT, hmm. Nissan 300ZX. Those are all fine V6s. I, I get what he's saying. 
It, it always exists as a compromise. It's the ultimate compromise engine configuration. But so what? So what? Yeah. You know, I don't think it's anything that has drawn as much ire as people think it has. You know, maybe it's like the Jerry Seinfeld bit. It's always second place. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's a crap car if you can't get a V8. You know, most minivans end with V6s. Of course, the big joke is that the Honda Accord V6 makes more power now than muscle cars did back in the day. So who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Next question. Um, What is the best memory you had in your Neon? Mm. Everybody wants to know the best, the ultimate, the first, and then you have to pick out all those memories. Yeah. Best memory in my neon. Maybe the day discovering that I could take the top of the airbox off and get the sweet, deep induction noise mm. that I thought made more power. It might have been the day I put the Knight Rider scanner light <laughs> on the front of it. Do you ever get any people sort of, you know, in the same way that like some people driving the Knight Rider car uh, when we did that or the DeLorean? Like people saying, oh, man, you got that, you know, scanner light. Oh, uh, like occasionally would people mm-hmm. would recognize that. But mm-hmm. even in the early 2000s, that show was getting old and some mm-hmm. people didn't know what it was or meant. Eh. I bet I would have had more fond memories if I would have got gotten a five-speed instead of a three-speed auto. Mm. But it was what it was, and it was a car, and I wrecked it, and the wrecker said that's the best thing that could ever happen to that car. <laughs> I had some fun road trips in it. Yeah. It was all right. It was It was an okay machine for a college kid. That's what it was. It was just a car. Alright, this guy would like to know what used cars would you recommend for a tall guy around 6'4 who values reliability as well as comfort for long drives, no preference for transmission and preferably under 18k USD, but you know, it's kind of a mm, tall order, no pun intended. (laughs) You're going to have to look at pickup trucks and SUVs, and that's going to hurt your uh, thing. Don't buy an old Explorer. You know, you you look at, go on Craigslist, maybe it's a PA thing, but go on Craigslist and you look for the $1,000 Craigslist car. Like a quarter of them are old old Explorers and Grand Pontiac Grand Dams. Tall people, I mean, you're going to have to get a tall car, um, which eliminates all the cool stuff from the Japanese of the late 90s, because even the Accords, as we found out, were only very, barely mid-sized today. A lot of your modern things are going to have taller roof lines. Your Ford, well, Ford Flex is big, and that's out of your price range, even with the Fusion as well. Um, tall car. I had a roommate of mine in college, uh, Christopher Bumgarner. He was six. Was he six two or was he six four? I think it was six two. Mm. Anyway, he had problems fitting in cars. Um, he often had to drive with the seat reclined a lot, and he drove a Mitsubishi Eclipse 
when we were in college and after that. For a while, he drove like his grandpa's Cadillac Bergram. And then after that, um, he he did. He did. what? He bought a Ford Explorer. <laughs> no, he did buy a Ford Explorer. It was something that he could fit in. Uh, Suzu Trooper? That's interesting. Now, it's going to be old. Maybe you could find one in good condition. Hmm. Hmm. What is made for tall people? Well, if you buy a pickup truck, don't buy a Dodge. Those are always the cheap ones. Hey, you get a V8. Yeah, everything around the car rots away. Um... My friend Justin Kramer is pretty tall. He drives a GMC Yukon, I think one of the early, early ones. Now, you're not going to be good at as far as fuel economy. Comfort is going to be okay because they're big, comfy seats, but the interior is garbage. Hmm. <laughs> Again, I'm going back to pickup trucks, man. I say hope for a, a nice Toyota Tacoma. Toyota Tacoma or maybe an early 2000s Toyota Tundra with a 5-speed. That's going to be crap in the winter, though. Yeah. Um, well, this person doesn't say where they're from, so maybe they're in a place yeah. where, you know, snow isn't as big a problem as it is here. 18K, I think you can get yourself into a Tacoma or a Tundra for under 18K, and it's going to be fine because it's going to be a Toyota. Right. And last question. Do you like Peugeots in general or just the 206? And how did the 206 catch your attention? Just the 206 because uh, Gran Turismo and also that commercial where the elephant sits on the car. We're, we're, have you ever seen that I don't one? think I have. No. Um, it's, it's, it was first on E-Bombs World back in the day. I feel um, like I was the only one who wasn't like a big E-Bombs World person. Hmm. Uh, apparently, that was like if you wanted to laugh, that yeah. was where everybody went. Um, but for whatever reason, I just didn't have the connection, you know, to be able to get any kind of videos. I mean, even real player, I was just, you know, it was all grainy and everything. Let's see if the 206 Peugeot commercial. There it is. It's a. All right. Everybody. Half of it was just this beat. And uh, what it is, is a guy sees a car. He wants to get a Peugeot, but he makes one out of this junker he found. Huh. Go ahead and right. watch. Let's see. He looks and he's looking at his own car. Yeah. And he starts messing with it. Just drove right into the wall. Oh, yeah. Did the elephant sit on yeah, it yet? Now he's making the elephant sit. He's just beating the shit out of his car. Yeah. Now he looks at the ad. He's got his friends and they're rolling yeah, in it. They're rolling. Half of it was that 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 very ice ice baby style <laughs> beat going on in the background and i'm like wow that does look kind of cool i would like a peugeot oh they don't sell them here yeah 
And I enjoyed it. Diesel had some get up and go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Peugeot's. It was only the 206, partly because of that commercial on E-Bombs World, and then again when it showed up, I think, in Gran Turismo too. Mm. Well, that'll about wrap it up for us. I have no idea how long we're going, but or how yeah. long this went, but I feel like it's been going pretty long. Yeah. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Nick or the Roman. I am Brian. Regular. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Bye.